Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game Productions. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Famer, Kevin Kernan. This is our flagship show on our network, Coach and Kernan, episode 149 right now. Before we introduce our guest and, and Kevin gets us kicks us off with the first question, I want to thank our subscribers, 14,700 right now. You can get us on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher. Continue to download, listen, like, subscribe. You're, you're moving our program forward, and we continue to give you great content every week if you continue to do so. Engage us on social media as well. Kevin's on all the mediums, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and I'll answer one question of a day. Today, I got to an audience member who wanted to know my favorite movie quote. Kind of a not as deep a question as I usually get, but I got a little deeper last night uh, because of last night. You guys can hear it from my voice. I uh, had to do a little coaching last night, and it was preseason for me, so my voice is a little raspy today, so so bear with me. Uh, but our, our first guest today, before uh, we get into the show, I want to welcome back to the show, and, and thanks for coming back with us, Buddy Bangle, managing partner of Bangle Hospitality, but he also is owner of the Moorhead Marlins, a, a great collegiate league uh, team in a collegiate league not too far from where I'm at, and he's done some great things in baseball, around baseball, in hospitality, and why... I mean, there's so many reasons to be attracted to Buddy and what he does in the game, but he, he gets the baseball business and he gets the business of baseball. And there's a difference here. And um, Buddy, before we get to you, Kevin, I want to just kind of throw it at you quick. Um, and, you know, lots of crazy stuff going on in baseball. And then you can roll right into your question to Buddy here. But great articles this week. Uh, we've had some craziness continue to ensue with, with Major League Baseball. It seems to be the norm nowadays, but you have everywhere from JT Romuto getting tossed out of a game to now they're marketing for the baseball rules and, you know, bat boy drama. Um, so all stuff that you've touched on in your great articles with Ball Nine. So I'll let you kind of kick it off, kind of bring us up to speed, wrap this craziness in a bow, and I'll let you get rolling with Buddy. Yeah, a couple of things real quick. Uh, unintended consequences. I talked about that all the time, and now we're starting to see it. Wait till these games really count, and you, and you make a move like yesterday. Uh, when Romuto got thrown out, it's going to be – it's going to be no holds barred. It's going to be crazy. Um, but, yeah, so uh, the last column was Breaking Bad. And because they're bringing in people like Brian Cranston now to um, publicize and promote, and I'm sure they're paying them a pretty penny, uh, and, and also comedians, you know, making fun of pitchers blowing bubbles as a first base coach, all the things you would never do in a baseball game. And I'm not against comedians, and I get it. I get where they go, but, you know, the last thing we need to be doing in MLB is making fun of youth league players focusing on the game. And there's nothing wrong with blowing a bubble. But if you get back to my one and only original point, you're seeing all this stuff because the people in charge don't know baseball. It's really that simple. So that's where we're at. Uh, Going to jump into a question real quick with Buddy. Buddy, the umpire who did the Riamuto uh, ejection was Randy Rosenberg, and I looked up, and he was uh, came. I think he came out of your league. Do you know Randy at all? And uh, any situations in the past pop up with him? You know, I don't, uh, Kevin. Thank y'all, you and Dave, for having me again on here. It's great to uh, great to get a chance to chat with you guys. Um, honestly, that's the first I'd heard that he had been in our league. It's not surprising because our league had a relationship uh, with exactly. Keybuck and the developmental umpires that came through. And to be honest with you. What I saw yesterday from the Real Muto situation was exactly what we saw with a lot of these guys. They think by ejecting players or asserting themselves that mm. they're asserting either dominance over the game. The best umpires are the ones that we don't know exist. That's yeah, what well said. we should be looking at is not just, hey, no offense. We're not here to see you. This is not about you. I understand you have to be an arbiter 
in a game. But unless Rio Muto turned around and said some of those famous words that we all know to the umpire before that, like, what are, what are you doing? I mean, are, do you have that much of a complex that you you had to assert yourself in there? I thought it was I thought it was again a further tragedy of where this game is going. And quite frankly, to me, and it may be off centered, maybe not. It's nothing more than a product of the Rob Manfred world that he's created in Major League Baseball at this point. No, that's well said. I'm, I'm going to talk to Dave in a second. I just wanted to follow up. As Riamuto left, in case people didn't see this, he kind of, because I've been at that ballpark many times in Dunedin, the, the visiting clubhouse is down the left hill line in the back. So you've mm-hmm. got to go. It's like the old days. You can't just go through your dugout to get out. You've got to go down the left field line. So Riamuto is going down the left field line. He's pumping up the fans with his right hand and his right arm. And, you know, they're, they're just cheering him along because everybody – Everybody in the ballpark, except the home plate umpire, knew it was a ridiculous thing. So so that's where we're at. I think you made a great point about uh, the people that Manfred is bringing in, everything from comedians to to uh, umpires, uh, you know, a little little crazy, uh, a little, little little in love with themselves. And I'm sure Dave has a, a full list of questions, and we'll go right back to Dave. <laughs> yeah, it was, I, it was, it's, it's just silly. I mean, I can't think of anything better. I was almost waiting for the umpire to just say, you know what, my bad, I screwed up. Let's just play on, but he compounded it. Did you, you, well, know, you know, Dave, just uh, just to interject to, did you notice none of the senior, uh, the veteran umpires came to his aid? That tells you everything. Correct. Yeah, everybody just stood off there. It's it's uh, it's amazing. Um, I, I wanted to, you've got your, you know, your big part of developmental baseball with the Collegiate League buddy, and you've done a tremendous job of building up the Moorhead Marlins and your whole community uh, for, for that matter. You and I had a conversation off the air about recruiting. I happened to be in a day of the portal. Uh, for the audience that doesn't know, the recruiting portal was when players are unhappy, um, and nowadays they throw their names in the transfer portal. And for basketball, there's well over a thousand, uh, but it affects all the sports. And I wanted you to kind of touch on that, buddy. What are your thoughts on the portal? And then how, if any, does it affect your league at all as a collegiate summer league when that's when baseball guys are entering the portal? Sure. Well, you know, to me, and I'll start off by saying I understood the portal during COVID times because you had leagues such as the Ivy League that for some reason didn't play for two years, including year, you know, in 2021. So I understood that portal and because of health concerns and other issues and travel, you know, some schools may not have been a good fit. But where they are right now with it's nothing more than the wild, wild rest. It's free agency. And quite frankly, on some levels, I think it hurts mid-majors because you look and now look at what's happened in the NCAA tournament the last two years. You've had multiple 15 seeds upset number two seeds. You've had 16 seeds upsetting one seeds. And is it great for that kid that's maybe at Fairleigh Dickinson or Princeton to go, well, now I draw the attention of Duke, of Carolina, Kentucky, but now they can just jump. Loyalty is gone in sports, and it's no different than – Kevin, you've seen it a lot of times with baseball players. They get into year two or year three of arbitration. And then that agent that's been with them from day one, they say, thanks for coming. Hey, Scott Boris can guarantee me $100 million. I think you can only get me $50 million. And he drops his agent who found him when he was, a you know back in my day, a 42nd round draft pick that nobody cared or knew about, worked with you all through the minors, and now you have a chance to make some money. So to me, I think it's just, uh, I don't want to say a disaster. 
and so both. And I wish they would get rid of the transfer portal, but how it affects us in the Coastal Plain League is now the NCAA has, I think, um, amongst many ludicrous rules when it comes to baseball, but they tell us as a summer league, if you have a Division One or a Division Two coach on your coaching staff, you may not have junior college players or the minute a player hits a transfer portal, you have to either remove the coach or the player. And they say to us, because that athlete is considered recruitable. My argument back to the NCAA is, well, now because of the transfer portal, everybody's a recruitable athlete. They can now leave with no penalty. So why does that rule need to stay in place? So to me, it has tremendous effect going, I can't go out and get a young Division One assistant coach, a Division Two head coach or assistant coach, and give them experience in one of the top collegiate summer leagues in the country because the NCAA has stupid rules. Amongst many, well, that's, I I don't want to jump in, but I got to say how stupid that's unbelievable. Th- I, thanks for sharing that. I'm glad you asked that one, Dave. Go ahead. Yeah, no, you should jump in anytime with that stuff. They so with so with the I think what people need to understand is like your league develops players, but it's also developed coaches as well. So from the coaches' standpoint, now to touch more on that here, you've done a great job of helping coaches gain experience and get other jobs talk to that point where how these, how you've helped some coaches get jobs and maybe now you're handcuffed in that regard. Sure. I mean, when you look back in our league at some of the coaches who's been here, I mean, you look at Chris Pollard, who's the head coach at Duke, Cliff Godwin, who's the head coach at East Carolina. They've done tremendous jobs building the, both of those programs into top 25. I mean, ECU's ranked sixth in the country right now. Cliff Godwin coached in this league. When I look back into ours, and, and Kevin, you being down in Florida, I don't know if you remember the name Jay Bergman, who was at the University of Florida, the University of Central Florida. In fact, I think he's one of the all-time winningest coaches. He was my first head coach here in Moorhead City. Wow. And having somebody like him helped us not just recruit players, but helped college coaches trust that if you're sending me a pitcher, you know we're going to take care of that kid. We're not going to go out and say, man, I'm throwing this kid on three days rest just because I got to win a game to get to a playoff. Or I'm not going to throw that kid 120 pitches for what I call a meaningless summer game. But we're going to take care and look out for these kids. And I think that's an important, important piece. But I've recently just lost a couple of, of assistants because they had, one had an opportunity to go be an athletic director at a Division three school. And you, you should be excited for these guys. You're happy that they're moving up. They're doing things to better their careers, their families. And that's what we believe this league does. It opens them up to opportunity, to network with other coaches, to network with other owners and players. I mean, you're getting a chance to see some of the best collegiate players from across the country, not just on our team, but get playing against us as well. I agree. And just so people understand, that becomes a vicious cycle of uh, where you're hindering development. When you get these up-and-coming coaches, obviously they're going to have a major impact on the young players developing. And not that the, the, the guys that you bring in now, you're just going to have to look a lot harder forum. And that's a shame. I think we should do away with all acronyms as governing bodies anywhere. That would probably help us help us lead a little bit better from federal and, government all the way through sports. And I don't disagree. But when I think to, you know, summer leagues, I will say, I think there do need to be some rules in place. And for me, I think the rules should be very simple. You may not coach a player on your own team. That way it helps with the, okay, well, I could just load my team up with every player from the university, from East Carolina bringing an ECU assistant in, and it's basically just practice time for them 
uh, of playing together in the summer. I agree with that. I agree with no more than four players from one school on a summer roster. I'm fine with those things, but I think from a coaching standpoint, there needs to be some, okay, we've made changes to the way the NCAA operates. There should be some changes in summer baseball as well. And understanding, yeah, this is a business, but this is also preparing these kids. And we talk about at our league level, what is getting these kids ready to play at the next level? Because to me, I believe if you're good enough to make our roster, there is someone in my organization that believes you are good enough to play at the next level. It may not be a you're an all-star in the big leagues, but we think you are good enough to play at the next level, which is why we're bringing you here to further develop your skills, to become better, to make sure that we can get you into a minor league system and become an asset for an organization. Yeah, I, I love the way you construct your roster. You shared with our audience the the way you do it with your your general manager and your manager, and I, I think it's profound how you're doing it. Um, with with the other rules that I guess touch on the, the recruitable athletes, are you dealing at all with with kids uh, with the NIL, the name, image, and likeness in your league? Or do you, do you, you know, we've we've not really dealt a ton. I think it's coming. I think we're trying to prepare ourselves of how we deal with that. But I think it's just created such an, uh, you know, to me, some levels, an unfair advantage. And look, I know everything cannot be equal. It's just the way life is. As much as people don't want to actually admit that, life's just not fair. And there's going to be some schools, some programs that are going to be ahead of other programs. And unfortunately, monetary value plays into that on some levels. But, you know, at the same time, if a kid wants to earn money, go for it, man. Like, that's a great thing. It hasn't really come into play in our league yet, but we've certainly talked about possibilities of how we could implement an NIL deals to make our league as a whole better. Can you, can you share any of those on here or is that kind of closed? You know, closed. I'll give you an, I'll give you an example. Um, last year when Savannah was in our league, they took jerseys and put the players faces on the jerseys and then they sold those jerseys off and gave the money to the player. So that was kind of an interesting piece. And what we're working on is kind of from a contractual standpoint with each university, how to make sure that if Kevin's coming to play for the Marlins and I want him to do uh, an NIL deal for the local Chevy dealership, making sure that we know how to properly run that through the university, that the proper contractual terms are in the agreement so that we don't mess something up for the player in the eyes of the NCAA. Yeah. So a lot of it is just making sure we have the structure, right? That's a smart, smart approach to it. Cause it is, it's as much as the transfer portals, the wild west, I don't even think we've hit the tip of the iceberg yet with this NIL with how crazy it can be. Um, it's becoming a pay to play situation. It really is. Um, and then I, I've got one more for you kind of shift the conversation um, then turn it over to Kevin here. World Baseball Classic. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a great, uh, great environment. Uh, I wish they could do it every year. I know the logistics won't allow for it. I mean, what were your thoughts on it? And what, I guess, what, were, what are your hopes around the Classic itself? More or less, more involvement with MLB? Yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. I absolutely loved it. When you listen to some of the critics talking about, oh, players, get, look, look at, uh, Araldus Chapman. I can't walk up the stairs without getting hurt. I mean, it, we take a risk every single day as human beings that we wake up and we walk outside. We might get hit by a car. Who knows what could happen? Anything 
can happen. And yes, these guys are paid at a very high level to play in major league organizations. They're paid by their teams. And a lot of those fan bases are very, very, very loyal and want to make sure these guys are in good spots. But we can't control everything. I think what it did for the game of baseball was it brought back excitement. To me, when I looked at some, and I thought Major League Baseball did a really nice job with some of their marketing piece beyond or behind the flag. When you look at that Czech Republic team, that pretty much you can't name a Czech Republic baseball player. And now these guys are playing against Major League All-Stars. What that did for them was tremendous. What I think it's done for Mike Piazza with Italy, and I was really cool. Some of my former teammates uh, were actually on his coaching staff and on the roster and it was, it was really great to see those guys out there and what that did, not just for a country, but for developing the game internationally. Because the way that baseball is viewed in America, maybe the Dominican, Puerto Rico, is not necessarily viewed the same in Israel or in Italy or in Spain or some of these other countries that would either like to get there. And the fact that, and I still think it's a tragedy that baseball is not in the Olympics, this is the closest thing to it and to getting these guys here. I mean, you saw that emotion in that championship game with USA and Japan. I mean, come on, when are we going to see a battle of Otani and what he did to Trout? I mean, not, I don't care what they say. Mike Trout's one of the best hitters to ever play the game of baseball, and Otani just made him look foolish. I mean, yeah. just made it look like he was just not even there. Yeah, so, that's one of, what, 50 – Trout only swung and missed on a third strike just a handful of times in his career, and that was one of them that we all saw. What if if, if they came down to you and I, I I use USA Basketball as a model, um, you know, to where they went to a more structured developmental program uh, where the NBA bought in. If they came down to you and said, you know, Buddy Bangle, you're now the czar of uh, USA Baseball, and for lack mm-hmm. of a better way, and we are over the World Baseball Classic on down. What 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 immediate things would you do? What would be the first couple things on your checklist? You know, the, f- the first thing I'd start to do is, you know, I-, I like how USA Baseball has structured. And first off, I'll tell you from a North Carolinian standpoint, we love the fact that USA Baseball is right here in North Carolina. It's about two and a half hours from us uh, here in Moorhead City. So to me, I would look at how we further develop the game, how we further engage players and give them not just the hope that they can wear the red, white and blue on their chest, but that they want to keep striving to do bigger and better things. I'd also brand some things out while going, you know, when you look at soccer, they have the the FIFA World Cup, which is what I think World Classic is in a way emulating. But in off years, they have different championships. I'd love to see us give more attention through Major League Baseball to saying, okay, every four years, we're going to have the World Classic. Every two years, we're going to have the World Championships. And the World Championships... You cannot be an active 40-man roster guy to be on those. And that's almost like a prequel getting into it. So now we have something going on every two years, but it's not requiring requiring Major League Baseball guys. I also would love to see more games spread throughout the U.S. so that more fans in different parts of the country have an opportunity to see these games, not just San Diego, Arizona, Miami, which is traditionally where they've been. Why not see New York? Chicago, maybe go to Milwaukee, go look at some of these, what I'll call mid-tier major league baseball markets, but also throughout minor league baseball and give more fans 
an opportunity to see this firsthand. You've thought about that a little bit. I can see this. Uh... Well, it, it's, it, it's part of the model that we look at here in the Coastal Plain League because we used to have the collegiate national team come play here in Moorhead City. And I still think back to the last time they were here and someone posted a picture during the Classic. I mean, Carlos Radon started on the mound for him. Trey Turner was starting at shortstop for him. And there's a number of Major League All-Stars that were on that team. And now my fan base has pictures with them because both of them were NC State alumni. And our fan base still talks about that. Yeah, I, I, I think that's phenomenal. Well, you got my vote for czar if they ever come down on that we'll start the campaign with our network. And uh, one last question. My son Tanner's involved with that program with USA Baseball. He's a 13-year-old uh, switch-hitting catcher, and we love it. I mean, it's such great development that they do with Jeff Schaefer and, and his group in North Carolina. We'll be down there a couple times this summer again. But one, one last question. I'm going to bounce it over to Kevin. What's As our audience may or may not remember, your, your restaurants or your own restaurants – what new food are you making in-house right now? I know the last time we talked, you were making something in-house. Was it bacon or? So we've, we're, we're, we're always looking at trying to cook up some new things. So we're always working on different uh, different items. But really our core piece at one of my restaurants, Baker's Kitchen, uh, is called Butter Syrup. And we're going to be introducing this more on a national level here, probably in the next uh, 30 days, because no one has ever really challenged the maple syrup industry. It's always been, well, this is butter-flavored maple syrup, or this is bourbon-barrel-aged maple syrup. But nobody's completely changed the complexity and the look and said, this is an alternate to put on pancakes, French toast, waffles. So we've created our own syrup. It's called butter syrup, and it's become a phenomenon, especially in eastern North Carolina. And now we're starting to ship it out all over the country and starting to get it in more people's hands because I really do think we can, I want to say challenge the uh, image that it's just maple syrups world. Nice. Who's your, uh, do you have your spokesperson yet? That could be a name image and likeness deal coming forward. <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're working on that. We're working on the, the branding side of it. We've got a kind of a, an edgier company name uh, for it. And, and I don't even mind sharing it because we'll put it out. So it's called the BS company. And a lot of the packaging is going to have funny sayings on it, funny looks to it that people are going to kind of laugh when they see it in terms of going, hey, all right, I'll try that. I'll tell you what, I got AMBS right here. I'm going to turn it over to you. That could be your spokesperson right there. <laughs> well, well, first of all, great job, Dave. It's, uh, that's fascinating. And that's what's great about this show. We're, we're ahead of the curve. And I, I got thinking too, uh, Czech Republic, one of our guests uh, – a few months ago, we asked them the question, uh, "What? where do you look for now in Europe? Who's going to turn the corner a little bit? And he said the Czech Republic. So, again, you listen to our show, you're going to be smarter. You're going to build a better baseball player. And I already got the – Buddy, you got to go with the, the name Buddy Butter Bengal, BBB. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. You know, we thought we thought about it, but for me, I thought it would be a little bit edgier and funnier to keep it as the BS company. Now, just give I you like something funny to talk about. Well, I like to be, and, and the other thing is, I think I think our, our our listeners understand this. The point you make about baseball, you're you're a, you're you're a small business guy in a in a way, and I mean that as a huge compliment. We need more more small businesses in the country. The government re- regulations and now NCAA regulations they make no common sense. The coaching thing is ridiculous. Uh, why stop coaches from coaching? Why 
why stop getting coaches from different parts of the country too? You know, so you want to, you want to spread out and that's the whole beauty of baseball. And I really think you're onto something because I think baseball is going to go back. I really think this is going to happen. And I think the WBC is part of the success here. Baseball is going to go back to some grassroots excitement and just going to the local ballpark to see baseball and have some good food. So this is a real, it's an involved question, but it's simple for you. I want I want you to tell people what they go get when they go to a typical night at the Moorhead City Marlins and they go visit Big Rock Stadium because you know I, I I promise I'm coming up there this summer and uh, <laughs> but just give us a give us what a night would entail and and some of the price ranges and and all the fun stuff. So we want you to think of coming to a Marlins game as an experience. We want you to to realize that yeah, is it great that you get to see the guys on the field and see really good quality baseball. Yes. And between the white lines, I'm as serious as they come with it. When you go outside the white lines a little bit, we want to make sure that we respect the game, but we're also intriguing fans. Our job as an organization is to create a memorable moment for you and your family. It's to be able to say, man, I had the best time doing this, doing that. And everything from the sights, the sounds, the smell, of when you first arrive at the stadium and you walk in and you see the big, you know, the big tent that says, welcome to Big Rock Stadium. We want you to think, wow, this is transforming you back in time. We're go- we want you to see things maybe that you don't traditionally always see at a baseball game. And when I say things you don't traditionally see, maybe it's the in-between inning games that we're doing to engage young fans. Maybe it's the chance that our staff is leading with our fans to make our ballpark, I say, a little bit of a tougher place to play. Maybe it's that food item that she said, oh man, I've never really had that before. But you know what? That was really good. I've never been to an area that has a a pulled pork nacho or looks at food in essence the way we do. But we also understand and want to make sure that it's a memorable time for your family at an affordable price. So we talk about things from affordability. So this year it's $22 for all the food you can eat at the ballpark, you're going to get three hours of entertainment, all the hamburgers, hot dogs, chips, cookies, sodas, water. And you don't have to worry about little Johnny coming up and saying, hey, dad, can I have another burger? I'm hungry. And you're like, oh, I'm out of cash. It's just, hey, son, just all you have to do is show your wristband. Here you go. It's a way that we can incorporate that into it. And I think that's what Major League Baseball, in my opinion, has really lost on some levels is how you really connect and relate to the fans. We have something that I take pride in, and I call it from a tradition standpoint. In the fourth inning, in between innings, we send out usually anywhere between seven to eight players. They go into the stands, and they cover every section of the ballpark, and their job is to shake hands and tell people, thank you for coming. Because we want, one, our fans to know how much our players appreciate but our organization appreciates you being here and it allows those players to connect with fans. They'll take pictures, they'll sign autographs. But to me, the fan is your most important asset because without fans, one, the organization doesn't run, but the fans create the environment that better players want to play in. Players want to play in a packed ballpark. They want to play in a a place where, they can feel that energy when they're up in the ninth inning and a runner on second base, one out in a tie ball game. They want to feel that, that energy 
in the ballpark. And that's why they want to come here. That's why we want Moorhead City to be the most popular place in this country that players want to play because they know the fan experience is great. The organization takes good care of you. It helps that we're on the beach. And now it gives the fan and the player a unique experience. And then post-game, our players are not allowed to go into the clubhouse until they've taken pictures and signed autographs with fans. We allow fans to come on the field in front of the dugout. Our players are not allowed to go into the clubhouse or to eat until they have taken pictures and signed autographs with fans because that fan experience is what's so important that'll be memorable for you to come back and say, this is why I want to come to Moorhead City to watch a game and to play for this team. Well, it sounds like an incredible family experience as well. And with all the vacationing people there, I mean, why not stop at the ballpark too? I think that's a, a phenomenal thing. Uh, you definitely tapped into something there. And, and I want to ask you uh, about a couple people too here. I mean, uh, I saw you have Brianna Miller now. She's your director of operations. Is, is that I, correct? She is. Mm-hmm. And my, my son, Corey, was the director of operations for the Jacksonville Suns uh, probably about 10 years ago. And that's a, that's, a, that's a hard job. So give everybody a little background on her and what, what the job entails. Sure. Um, so she's recently been added to our staff here. And it's one of the things that I'm very proud about with this organization, but I think it's also something in our country we need to start doing. So to give you a backstory, so I actually met her last summer. She was an intern with the Holly Springs team, and she worked on a variety of different projects. But one of the things that she struggled with was the web page, and I knew how to build ours. So I know her GM really well. We ended up connecting, and I ended up working with her on the web page piece, and she did a fantastic job for them, whether it was web page, whether it was on field. I mean, it was a little bit of everywhere. So her and I started to build a relationship and started to talk on things. And after the season, I called their owner because I personally believe if somebody's with an organization, it's the respectful thing to do before you go and talk with them that you speak to an owner and say, hey, I'm interested in approaching this person about a job. Are you okay with it? And when I spoke with their owner and GM, they said, unfortunately, I don't think we have a position available. You're more than welcome. So we ended up talking. She was graduating with her master's degree after January of this past year. Her and I started talking. I said, hey, we have an open position for an operations person. Are you interested in the job? And she said, absolutely. So I brought her down and interviewed her. We were very excited. Our whole front office was ecstatic to have her. Uh, And she came on board with us towards the end of January and has been here since. And part of what her job entails is, one, making sure the ballpark is set up the way it's supposed to be. She's going to handle a lot of the day-to-day operational side, working with interns, working with merchandise, working with concessions. Really, it's a little bit of every piece of the organization aside from just front office stuff. So when you're with a smaller organization like this, you really get an opportunity to have multiple different experiences outside of just fitting in one box. No, it's it's a great, um, it, it's great the experience is incredible and, and anyone who's done it is better at whatever they decide to do. My son now has a restaurant and a lot of that is because he knew how to run a ballpark. And uh, it's really that simple. Uh, the other name I want to throw at you is uh, Medal of Honor recipient Dakota Meyer. Give us some uh, uh, explain that situation and, and your recent meeting with him. You know, there's there's a lot of people in this world that really truly do amazing and humbling things. And Dakota Meyer 
is to me the epitome of what being an American is about. And fortunately, through a mutual friend of ours, I was at a uh, Christmas party and got to spend some time with Dakota at that Christmas party. And for those of you who don't know who Dakota Meyer is, 100% go in and Google and YouTube. He is, if not the youngest, one of the youngest Medal of Honor recipients in our nation's history. And what that man did was ungodly selfless. Mm. He went back to, he literally, how he's not dead, uh, I think only the man upstairs can really understand that because the bullets, the warfare he went through to go back to retrieve the bodies of his brothers that had been killed in an ambush is just heroic beyond belief. And we met at a, we met at a Christmas party through a mutual friend. And obviously I followed a lot of his stuff on social media and our mutual friend, Sarah said, Hey buddy, um, how far are you from Camp Lejeune or Marine Corps Cherry Point? And I said, I'm literally 10, 15 minutes from Marine Corps Cherry Point. She said, Hey, Dakota has a speaking event. I want to connect the two of you. Um, love for you guys to connect for dinner. So she connected us uh, via text message. I sent him a text said, hey, if you have some time, would love to have you for dinner. Uh, he shot me one right back, said, absolutely, would love to, would love to do it. Here's our schedule. Uh, and got a chance to bring him to the restaurant I named after my grandfather. And it's really dedicated to service men and women who have served our nation. And to me, there's no better person than what he did. And now he's done like a lot of speaking tours to talk to young service members about being in the service, about living their life to the fullest, about making sure that they look out for other people. And he's really done a great job with taking that message and getting it out. But it was quite an honor to have him at the restaurant to get a chance to have dinner and, and really just talk with him on a number of different, different topics. But it was uh, quite an honor. And I, I say, I never know who's going to walk through the door some days at the restaurant. Well, you know, it, it's it's just great, too, because I think there's a, you know, there's definitely a, um, I got to find the right word here without getting in trouble, but there's a, there's a gap of learning about our country from our young people. So they need to know more about what America stands for and the people who make it great and sacrifice and do things. So I'm sure down the road, you'll have Dakota at a game when it fits his schedule, and that, that would be cool too. So, uh, absolutely, that make a difference, don't you? Don't, don't, don't you think it makes it? it you may just have a few people, but it, it could just you know, could just keep going, absolutely. And, and to me, and he's definitely coming to a game. We've already started kind of working a little bit on some dates to get him here. But for instance, last summer we had Tim Kennedy at the ballpark, and that was such a unique, he's another one. Uh, former Army, uh, excuse me, a Green Beret. And his story is fantastic. MMA champion. He's done some really cool things. But for a lot of our players, we took him down the line and gave wow. him about 20 minutes. And we said, ask him whatever you want. And he was very open. I mean, remember, these are young kids. They think, they're like, so what's it like to get shot at? Or, you know, have you killed somebody? Like those type of things that they asked, it was Interesting, but a lot of his responses were just surreal. And he really talked about what it meant to put that flag on his chest, on his arm, to represent our country. And it was just, it was an incredible opportunity for those kids to ask questions and to hear from guys like that. So I think that's important to both the development of our players and our organization and just being able to give them a different experience. 
No, that's fantastic. And, and anyone who follows me on social media knows uh, I, I love my food. I've got my food pictures. So I, I can't let you go. I'm, I'll go back to Dave after this question, but I can't let you go without just telling me a little bit more about the restaurant business and, and what's going on and some of the other items. Because, uh, you know, what do I need to get when I stop by? <laughs> so so the restaurant business, I'll be honest with you, it's been very hard. I mean, I think we've been kicked. We've been kicked. We've been kicked again. And I think we continue to get kicked. I think it's been harder and harder with where our nation is now in understanding how restaurants work and how they're going to continue to work. Um, I've been very blessed. I've got a good team, but it's always, always trying to find new staff, trying to get people to go in and execute those. And quite frankly, I wish if I could say something to the general public, I wish everyone would go work in a restaurant or a hospitality business for at least two weeks. I think our society would be a whole lot nicer to people and to understand, Hey, if that burger takes five extra minutes or 10 extra minutes to come down, because you don't realize there's three people missing from the kitchen or some people just didn't show up to work that day or that poor girl's been working all day. I think it'd be a lot nicer to people in the hospitality industry. And that's something that I really would just say up front is that just understand that when you go online and you start to blast a restaurant because they may have overcooked your steak a little bit or something happened, if they're rude to you, that's a different story. But just because it took a while or something happened, be respectful. People don't walk into your job every day and just criticize you if you're having a bad day and just blast you. And just take a deep breath on that. <laughs> but as far as when you come in, you know, Kevin, we're going to load you up with some good breakfast. Obviously, our French toast. Anything with butter syrup is a fan fan favorite at Baker's Kitchen. Our cinnamon rolls, we make everything fresh every day. So you'll get really good, fresh quality food. I say we're Cracker Barrel, but we do it better because we make everything homemade. Uh, and then the other the other restaurant, Poppies, it's going to be a burger. It's going to be some candy bacon, and it's going to mix with a really good glass of bourbon. So we've got a great bourbon selection there, and it's a fun opportunity to be able to put some things that I love together. And it's just, it's a modern take on just Southern classics done well. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's fantastic. And uh, just a little point of order before I, before I give it to Dave, uh, I think my I was talking to my son, my youngest, and he said from because he got he's been getting slammed down here cause a lot a lot of tourists in St Augustine. But he said uh, from November Thanksgiving to to New Year's, and it really hasn't stopped down here. Uh, but he sold forty eight thousand hamburgers. So so Jeez. again, the point you make about understanding. I know a couple things popped up this week where my son had to jump in and cook. For a couple of days because things things happen. Uh, uh, another side, because this is what we do on this show, another little side story. So I'm in the Winn-Dixie the other day trying to get change and um, the, the customer service line because I lost some money in the water machines out front. You know how that goes. I wasn't looking for my money back. I was just looking to get uh, change from quarters, get some quarters. And the poor girl doing the customer service, she was also doing the express line. And I look in there and she's got to jump back and forth between both. And she's got a boot on her foot. And, you know, so obviously she's got a fractured foot or something going on. So I speak to the manager and the manager says to me, I can't get anybody to work. So th- this is part of America right now, too. So you, those people who are working and really putting it on the line, I think we really need to uh, understand how difficult it is for them and treat them right and and, and pay by cash and tip cash. So that's that's my little spiel. Go ahead, Dave. 
Oh, no, I think it's great. That's uh, We always have a couple of those good stories that brings it together on the show. And just so audience remember, Buddy Bangle, managing partner of Bangle Hospitality, also the owner of the Moorhead Marlins. I'm thinking for our audience, and Moorhead's a, a beautiful beach town. If you're in Moorhead, and correct me if I'm wrong, buddy, a breakfast at Baker's Kitchen, an afternoon ball game at Big Rock Stadium, and then dinner at Poppy's. That's a, that's a great Saturday, right? It, it is, with the exception of we don't play afternoon games. <laughs> so, you, you know, it, from a business standpoint, I, I've said this to my staff all the time. If you're competing with the beach and the water, you're never going to win that fight. Especially a hot summer day. So you might as well let families go to the beach, enjoy time out on the boat and the water, go home, take a shower and get ready for a seven o'clock first pitch. So, I love it. I love it. I have to do the dinner on different nights. That's right. That gives them a weekend and they can stay for Sunday exactly. their, their Friday night. What's uh, g- give us uh, the audience. And before I pass on to Kevin for the last question, um, when does the season start? Uh, when do you guys get going? I know you're recruiting players right now. You're probably recruiting all year round, but give, give us an idea when the season starts and when they can start looking for tickets. Sure. So we, we open May, uh, Memorial Day weekend, the Friday of Memorial Day weekend. We'll play a this year. Gosh, I think we're a 49, 50 game schedule this year because we play a few exhibition games. We have 29 home games on the calendar this year, and they're spread throughout roughly about an 11 week period. One of the really nice things about the way our schedule is built, and I think it's great for the tourist population, we are home every Friday night. So if you're looking for something on a Friday night, you don't even have to question. You just know, oh, it's Friday night. The Marlins are home. It's We're home every single Friday in the summer, and it's a great, great opportunity. It's a great piece. Come down, fly, come see Moorhead City, North Carolina, no matter where you are in the country. You'll get a great atmosphere. We have some great world-class restaurants. I mean, just recently, Guy Fieri was here filming diners, drives in and dives at a couple of restaurants around here because the food is fantastic. It's a great place to spend a weekend, a week with your family. There's a lot of really fun things to do that still has that small town atmosphere. And you can come catch a great baseball game. You can enjoy a lot of fun. You'll see some crazy things. You'll get to see good baseball, and you're going to get to see some of the next kids that are going to be playing in Major League Baseball. We were just doing a few things, looking at our organization, and we've now had eight former players throw a pitch in the big leagues. Uh, and just recently, I mean, we've had all MLB All-Stars. We've had first-round draft picks. We've had NLCS MVPs play here. So you never know who's going to be on this field, and it's not just on our team. It's with other teams as well. Well, you're a great ambassador for Moorhead City and also for the league, and we appreciate you sharing. Our audience will be encouraged to get down there and watch. I know my, my wife walked into the production room, and she gave me a thumbs up, so apparently we'll be vacationing in Moorhead City this year. I can, I can only hope that I'd be invited. Because I'm pretty certain <laughs> I'm be paying for it. So, um, Absolutely. Um, However, I'm just going to tell you, you will be required to throw out a first pitch, but we do not do surgery. I'm going to go ahead and put that oh, disclaimer out there immediately. Count me in. Count me in. I'd love to do that. Kevin, I'll turn it over for you for the last question. You, you got a new one. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, too, Cal Quantrell was one of those players, right? He pitched for you guys, I think. He, he was. He was our he was our first first round draft pick, and I tell you, watching that kid pitch was something. Just, I mean, it was incredible. You could see just right on the mound. It's it's been interesting. There have been guys we've had that are major leaguers who, when they got here, you could just watch them. You know, Cal was one. Uh, Chris Taylor was another one. You just yeah. knew, okay, that kid's going to play in the big leagues one day. And then there's some kids that surprise you and you go, 
man, I never thought that kid would have a shot to get the big leagues. And he got to the big league. So it's, uh, it's yep. it, it really is. But it's that's why this game, Kevin's so beautiful and what it does. And that's why I hate so many things are changing. It's a game where it doesn't matter where you're from. doesn't matter your upbringing. If you can play, you can play. Uh, and I'll give you a quick answer before your, your last question. I look at the CPL player of the year who we had last year. He was from a Division three school in Elizabethtown College in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania. We signed him as a temp player. He came on, and the kid was the CPL player of the year. He broke the batting record. Kid hit 437 and played every day for us in center field. And quite frankly, I think he's going to be a top 10-round draft pick this year out of a small Division three school that nobody would have ever heard of. I mean, just that kid could play at any major D1 school right now. In fact, uh, he went back to Elizabethtown. When he graduates this year, he's already committed to Virginia Tech for next year, although I don't see him actually making it there. No, that's a great but. story and great insight, and it shows what the game is all about, and uh, you know that's why I wanted to ask about that. Well, we always ask our guests, you know, what 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 what, what being a ball player means to you. Uh, you already given us a, that answer the last time around. It was great, so I'm going to do a simple one now, but I'm going to go to Dave first, and then Dave, then you'll follow Dave, because Dave already has the answer. So the question I want to want to ask you, uh, buddy, is uh, your favorite movie quote. Now, Dave already he's let people know on his Facebook. But Dave, you tell us your favorite movie quote, and then we'll we'll, we'll bump it over to Buddy. Yeah, I joked on there because last name D'Agostino and my life kind of chronicling the Rocky saga. Um, I could probably do all the movies by heart, so I, I kind of pushed Rocky away, um, and I went with Hoosiers. Uh, we we had a, a great. Uh, first night last night with our group one-on-one where we help kids gain scholarships, 200 families with just, this was basketball, baseball starting a month. But um, the quote I gave was Norman Dale in the locker room with, with Hickory. Um, and he had the kids together and they all got to say their thing. And he put the hands in and looked, looked them all in the eye and just said, I love you guys. And they said, team. And every time I see that, oh, I get chills. I get tears in my eyes because when you coach for a lifetime, and, and it's, I guess just like being a parent too, you got to love your guys, you got to love your girls, whoever you're coaching. If you don't, don't coach. Um, flat out, don't coach. So that that was mine. Real, I love you was it, and uh, I think I surprised the, uh, the the question guy because he was expecting some something more macho from me today, and I gave him a sentimental "I love you." So but, uh, <laughs> that's a great one. And buddy, what's yours? Give you yeah, a little time I, to think about it. You know, so so here's the here's the bad thing. It's kind of. It, not just subjective, but you're kind of asking a question. It's like, man, that's just so hard because I'm one of those. I I, I love movie quotes, and I can quote a thousand. I figured uh, that. I figured that. that. And and you know, I think it's all context. But you know, in in your and I say in the world of you know baseball, how do you just not quote Major League? To me, I think it's one of the best movies that you can just watch over and over and over. And you know, it's almost funny when you think about a guy you haven't heard. For a little a little while, and you hear this guy's dead. We'll cross him off. I mean, and just just so like it's amazing how funny and how accurate to the baseball world that movie really is. And it's what made the game funny and made the game fun. You know, so to me, I'd have to go with something there from Major League. That's perfect, and the game should be fun. Go ahead, Dave. No, I love that. I was I, when you were saying that. I was thinking of uh, Ricky Vaughn with the glasses when they gave him glasses when he couldn't see. 
And he said, seeing is the most important thing. And uh, the Wesley Snipes character looks at him and says, I don't think it's that important. And, uh, <laughs> based on how he looked. But, uh, buddy, thanks so much for going on, coming on. Your, your interviews are always so much fun. Uh, I never know which direction we're going to go with it, but it, it ends up great content and very, very uh, amusing for our families, but also informative, uh, very informative. So thanks again for, for doing us a treat today by coming on a second time and entertaining us. Uh, now, with our audience, remember, download, listen, like, subscribe. 14,700 going into today. Subscribers, keep pumping the show. We've got good things coming for you every week. We'll continue to do so. But if you got you got to give us that little extra bump on your end to keep these things going. Follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, both Kevin and I, and continue to support Kevin on Ball 9. Two great articles every week. It's a masterpiece. You guys are getting a treat from a Hall of Fame writer twice a week. So make sure we continue to support him and our guys over there. And, and Buddy Bangle, thanks again to you. We appreciate you so much. And we'll be out there in Moorhead City. I already told you the family committed. I'm just waiting to see if I made the guest list. So Wonderful. If, Can't wait to have you. Have, you both have permanent invitations anytime you want to come. Awesome. And I'm going to start warming my arm up to see if I can throw out that first pitch. <laughs> Fantastic. With that, episode 149, Real Voices of the Game production, Coach and Kern. Have a great day, guys.